Hello, everybody. Tom and Keith with you. And a reminder, uh, as we always do, that the Dunlap Champions Club should be on your must-see, must-do list. Perhaps it already is. And uh, to those of you who uh, have already purchased your tickets, we say thank you. But you should get on board. It's a great football experience. Your food is covered. Uh, you've got shade. You've got AC. It's, just a, it's a great social experience, but it's a great way to watch the game. Dunlap Champions Club, very good to us because they bring you the Sunday edition of Front Row Knowles, uh, commercial-free, along with our main sponsors, Prime Meridian Bank and Hobson Chevrolet. And, and I go back to your point. If you've not ever been there, you got to go at least once. You'll be hooked. A better way to do it might be to try the three-game ticket package, uh, which includes Virginia Tech, Florida, or Clemson, and then two of the other four remaining home games. But however you want to shake it down, uh, it is an experience that, that, that's worth enjoying to uh, take in Florida State football. That's the Dunlap Champions Club. Get on board. 644-1830, the number to call. 644-1830. And without further ado... Sunday edition of Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. We welcome you to Front Row Knowles First Look. Tom and KJ with you. And Keith, this one is going to be a tough one, but we'll get through it. And we'll do so as we normally do. We'll hear from Coach Willie Taggart. We'll hear from DeAndre Francois when we talk about the offense. We need to spend a lot of time talking about the offense. Defense, we'll hear from uh, Dontavious Jackson a little bit later on. He had a career high in tackles, and I thought the defense all in all played pretty well until they ran out of steam. But that said, you can't ignore the elephant in the room, and that is Florida State losing 30-7 to to Syracuse and just not looking good uh, at all offensively in so doing. You know, the last couple of games, Tommy, I've talked about being disappointed. Uh, I don't know what the next word beyond disappointed is. I'm not ready to panic, uh, but this is disheartening uh, to the point, and, and obviously you and I will spend some time talking about it because we spent some time on the airplane. We spent some time on the bus from uh, the Tallahassee airport to uh, where we're sitting as we record this show. Um, it, it starts with the offensive line, and while – a lot of the frustration would be get those guys out of there. Let's get some other guys in there. We're playing all we got. If you know how to take a snap count and you weigh over 250 pounds, you played against Syracuse, and and they rotated. They, I mean, it wasn't like somebody played five series and then somebody played the next eight series. Uh, they were playing every other series or two out of three or three out of five, and there was nobody getting anything done on the offensive line. It was a complete and total catastrophe. And as a result, offensively, Florida State never got anything. I mean, never got anything going. And at the end of the ball game, and even by some of the comments that I've read uh, after the ball game, I mean, DeAndre Francois is not happy. Uh, others have privately said that, you know, that this is just not what everybody signed up for or even expected. And and um, there's going to need to be some changes made, not uh, not necessarily changes personnel-wise, because they're doing, I think, all they can with the personnel they've got. But Coach Taggart's got to dial this back a little bit, and they've got to re-cue the offense, and, and they've got to rethink some things they're trying to do offensively because they are that completely handicapped at the offensive line. 
No question about it. And we'll spend uh, more time than usual talking about the offense in greater detail in our next uh, segment. I do want to point out that uh, we have to thank uh, our great sponsor of this program. There have been a lot of changes in the banking landscape lately. One local bank just sold after 100 years. Others are closing or consolidating branches. So the one local bank you can count on, Prime Meridian Bank, that's Prime Meridian Bank, on the web at trymybank.com. Let's listen in to Coach Taggart's comments before we go any further, Keith. And uh, this is courtesy of Seminoles.com. And he singled out the offensive line. Well, didn't single them out because there's other issues too. But he certainly pointed to the offensive line struggles as a big part of the uh, reason that Florida State overall is struggling. Let's take a listen. I still believe in our football team. Um, We're going to continue to work our tail off to get this thing right. Uh, We're not where we want to be or should be. And um, still have a lot of season left. But there's a lot of things we need to get corrected uh, quick, fast, in a hurry. And I know a lot of people don't like hearing it and upset, and, and they should be. And we got to do our part and take care of our business as a football team. And, but uh, I know our players can do it. Uh, we're going to continue to work, and we're going to get better. Talk about your offense today. Was it your offense or Syracuse's defense? Um, it, was, it was. I mean, they played well defense. They played and, and took advantage of the things we didn't do well. We got to be much better up front. You know, that's where it all starts. And right now, we're not that good up front, and we got to get better. Well, you tried to be a positive force with this team this year. Mm-hmm. At some point, does that not resonate? Do you have to change your approach? Oh, I'm not changing my approach. You know, I'm, I'm positive when I need to be positive, and I'm being negative uh, uh, on them when I need to be. And, um, and I said, our guys understand what we're doing, and, and, and but we got to do it. We got to do it. We got to go out and do it. We can't just talk about it. We got to go out and get it done, you know. And obviously, we got to get better on the offensive line. We get better on the offensive line. I think things are totally different. So, Dungey gets knocked out, and DeVito comes in. He's rarely played. Are you disappointed to take advantage of his experience? Um, of course. Um, we were hoping that we could, you know. Um, again, we got to be better offensively to keep our defense off the field. They played too much football tonight. Eventually, you play that much, you're going to eventually break. And, um, we, again, we got to be better offensively. That's on me, and I got to find a way to get it going. Um, I think a little bit of everything, you know, fundamentals, uh, want to, you know, our guys got to want to block and, and get out the people and, uh, and then sometimes it's, it's talent, you know, but I think our guys are good enough. I know they're good enough. Our guys blocked our defense. They can do it. I think a lot of things right now is just mental, but we got what we have and we got to do a good job as coaches and coaching them up and getting them better than where they're at. And right now we're not. So um, we got to go look at everything possible to find a way to, to, to be functional up front. Uh, I'm not worried about frustrated. They should be frustrated. We're not playing like we should be playing you know they all should be frustrated and, and not at someone else but be frustrated with yourself each and every last one of them and we all need to look within ourselves and ask ourselves what are we doing you know and are we doing what we supposed to are we doing enough to help this football team everybody coaches and players so everybody should be frustrated we're not playing like we should be playing so everybody should be upset um, our fans should be upset and 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 coaches player we all should because we're not living up to our expectation right now and our guys are going to come a point to where they got to do it. They got to do it. They got to say enough is enough and go out and, and get it done. Would you consider giving up play calling not just not because you're a play 
Oh, I'm focused on the team now. No, I'm not considering that. Um, I think I know what I'm doing, and I've had success doing it before. So, um, and, and I'm focused on the entire team. I know exactly what's going on with our football team right now. Um, trusting the process and staying focused um, on what we're doing, uh, understanding what we're doing too, and again, when we're making mistakes, not blaming anyone else, but um, correcting them. You know, but staying focused, staying locked into the plan, and, and not wavering, and eventually the guys get it and, and things get going. So you want me to put someone else in there to get hit like that? You know, no, because it wasn't DeAndre wasn't a problem. If DeAndre was a problem, if I thought he was a problem, I would have made a change. DeAndre is not the problem right now. Okay, so uh, no, I didn't think about changing. I just wanted us to protect a lot better. And if we protect a lot better, I think we'll see him do the things that he's capable of doing. But he can't do it when he's on his back and he's got pressure like he had all night. Coach Taggart obviously disappointed. And I think I, I don't think there's any way that he saw this coming for the first three games that the team would perform like this because there's no way that this is how they looked through all of August. Now, you don't know until you go against real competition. But I just I don't think that it could have looked like it looked yesterday as they were going through fall camp. Well, well, if it did, we got bigger problems. That means our coaching staff doesn't know how to evaluate or judge practice, and I don't believe that to be the case at all. Uh, I think you got to go all the way back. You and I were talking, and we won't get this right because we didn't script it, but you've got to all the way, go all the way back to maybe two years ago. And you remember there were some names, name kids that came to Florida State, Baselli. Uh, comes to mind. He's he's no longer with the program. Um, the ball kid that got uh, uh, basically got suspended by the university and therefore was suspended from the football team. He he was expected expected to probably be starting by this time. Uh, you've got the kids that are that are are, are hurt. Uh, Dickerson hasn't played in a couple of games. Probably not going to play for another three or four. Uh, Minshew is is playing on a bad wheel. Um, you know, Eberly, we, we've all known, is, is pretty good uh, uh, above the shoulders in terms of getting them in and out of things and making calls, but he's never been thought of as the, being a dominant center. Uh, and then so you, you throw the young ones out there on both sides, and it doesn't matter which one you throw on either side. The tackles are, have just been non-existent. Um, I saw a kid, you're going to have to look in the, I don't, I don't know his name, he's number 59. Uh, he was playing, probably took 40 or 50 snaps in the Syracuse uh, game, and I don't even know who he is. And and as a result, there's just absolutely no, absolutely no continuity amongst that top uh, those those five guys up front. And as we all say, that's where it starts. Now, one other belabored point, and you and I made this point on the network pregame show. You're supposed to make your biggest improvement according to the book from game one to game two well florida state's 2018 season's a little different because game one was on a monday and game two was on a saturday you only had five days and really two days of practice to prepare for samford so you and i are going up to syracuse thinking syracuse is really game two and those first two games are game one so we're going to make the biggest jump on the offensive side in the Syracuse ball game, and it was everything but that. So 
I think Willie and his staff have got to go back and revamp some of their play calling. I, I candidly think they've got to install what I would call some shotgun stuff as opposed to Gulf Coast stuff. Let's go in a shotgun with two tailbacks in at the same time, two backs on either side. Let's run traditional passing attack. Let's put some plays in. Let's run some traditional lead plays where the one back is blocking for the other like the old eye formation. And let's make it real simple for this offensive line. And let's, let's literally dumb down this offense a little bit in the short term so we can try to get some productivity out of it. I think that's the question you have to decide as a fan if you're listening to this. Just answer the question so that you know what you're expecting as you go forward. So do you want those kind of changes that might get you more immediate results, which does not mean that the team is going to win every game the rest of the year. Uh, maybe it means you could do enough that you could get to bowl eligibility. Maybe it just means that you win a couple games. But if you make those changes, you've delayed the install of the Gulf Coast offense. So that means that next year's team or two years team, whenever it is, the next team that might have been great may only be very good because of the delay. So, I mean, to me, that's the fundamental question. Do you want the instant gratification now? Or are you willing to bite the bullet and say, let's get the install right, even if it's going to take this year? And, and of course, Coach Taggart and his staff are going to have to make that decision. I'm telling you, and maybe this is a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction from somebody that's been around the program for 40 years, that's how bad the offensive line was against Syracuse. I'm ready to knee-jerk. Well, the statistics are, I don't even want to read them, 240 yards of total offense. That's four yards per play. Western Michigan averaged over nine yards per play against Syracuse two weeks ago. That's not a good defense. I felt pretty confident going in that Florida State would get right offensively, in part because Syracuse is not great on defense. Typically, Florida State running backs have done well up there. Cam Akers, the first drive, had a 16-yard run. I said, here we go. This is going to be the same thing. And then it just went nowhere from there. We're, uh, I'll tell you what, we're already into offense We'll take a break here. We'll come back and continue this offensive uh, conversation. Uh, Florida State falls on the road. They fall to one and two on the year. And we'll be back to talk more about what happened in the Carrier Dome right after this. Front Row Knowles' first look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles' first look, Tom and KJ with you trying to uh, make some sense out of what happened yesterday uh, at Syracuse. Uh, I, I want to be... Uh, fair, and I think we, obviously, Keith, you and I do a pretty good job, I think, if we can pat ourselves on the back of being pretty rational and reasonable about this. The offensive line is an issue, clearly. And that's not Taggart's fault or Greg Fry's fault. This is this is what they got. And to your point, you already mentioned, I mean, basically four-fifths of the projected starting offensive line from, say, six months ago uh, is not functioning right now. Cole Minshew is playing but he's hurt. Derek Kelly went down late in the game, and I don't know that the news is going to be good there. I don't want to speculate, so we'll see. But if he's not back, you got him and Dickerson out, Josh Ball off the team, Cole Minshew on a bad ankle, and that leaves Alec Eberle. So you've got one-fifth of your offensive line projected healthy, and that's an offensive line that if everybody was healthy was going to be a little better than average. They weren't going to be a top-10 offensive line. They, If you took all the Power 5 teams, you might say that they're right in the middle if those guys were healthy. Without them, it's what, it's what we saw, and so this goes back to, to your point. Uh, I do think even if it's not about uh, ultimate success, meaning wins and losses right now, I do think for the sake of the quarterback, you may have to, like you said, put two backs in there, roll a pocket, do some things. I mean, the one, 
that one of the nicest passes DeAndre threw yesterday. It wasn't designed, but he evaded pressure, rolled to his right. It's an easy read. There's one guy there, and they got a 20-yard completion. And you bring up those things. See, the, the, the West Coast, the Gulf Coast, rather, keep calling it West Coast. That's how still new all of this is. The Gulf Coast offense really doesn't have any rollouts or boot plays. That's that's not what it does. Right. It, it uses the read option and the RPO uh, with the back and, and then the empty backfield, five people, and the hurry-up. You've got to go back and put in, again, repeating myself, some two-back sets and the shotgun. You've got to roll DeAndre out left or right. Uh, you've got to find a way to get him out of that pocket and away from that pressure simply because the offensive line can't keep him out. We talk all the time about, you know, it's, te- it's technically not a three-step drop when you're already in the shotgun. It's just a quick throw. You're just getting it out early. But you, you can only do so much when you're not holding the ball as long as a normal, quote-unquote normal, five- or seven-step drop because that's what takes the time for those combination routes on the outside to work, uh, to get people to drag all the way across the middle. It takes a while. You can't get from point A to point B immediately. It takes a couple of seconds. And by putting in those, those boots and that rollout and some play action, which isn't necessarily part of the Gulf Coast offense, you can buy DeAndre some time and, and let this offense line get a little healthier along the way, get a little better at it, and not make him stand back there and take the punishment that he's taking. He got the crap beat out of him against Syracuse. And as you mentioned, this is a Syracuse defense that is really not very good. But they were real good on Saturday afternoon, and, and he took some punishment that he cannot continue to take game after game and be successful. I do think, and clearly we've pointed out that the offensive line is an issue, I do I do feel like DeAndre does not have a great feel in the pocket. There are times where if he slid a little bit, first series of the game, second play, second down, the ball gets deflected, there's nobody within eight yards in front of him, so he could have run, but more than that, if he takes one step forward, it buys him another three seconds. I don't know, you know, part of that, to be fair to DeAndre, he's been out of football for a year and now he's learning a new offense. So he may be processing so much that he's not feeling the pressure when it comes. Well, we knew from his freshman year when, when he was healthy and when he was naive and he had a little, obviously a better offensive line, that he, he didn't have a good pocket presence. We're finding out that uh, although his decision-making when you look at, when privately, when you look at how he's graded, he scores very well in his decision making, but it's just not smooth. It's not. It's not natural. It's. It's a struggle for him to to really do the the the, the read option and the RPO component of it. He throws the ball well, but as you've mentioned, he doesn't have a real good presence in the pocket uh, to do the little things to slide a foot or two to the left or take a bunny step up up and let that that pressure go behind him when the tackles are pushing him away <coughs> pardon me but but he's also he's only played what 15 games now i mean you know he, he missed the entire last year and he missed an entire spring and he really wasn't that full go even in the fall camp uh at least the first couple of weeks of it so uh, it's not all on him. Those are things that potentially he'll get better at. So, again, I'm, su- I'm suggesting let's put some stop gaps in that will help him out while all this other stuff, while this cake is being baked in the oven, okay, it's going to take about 45 minutes. We're about three minutes into it. Uh, let's poke it with some, some toothpicks or something or adjust the fire up one way or the other. Let, let's do something different and, and don't let this cake burn up. 
This might be the first time I've smiled all day, Keith, because I was wondering how you were going to get yourself out of a bacon a cake analogy there. And the best you could come up with is toothpicks, and I, I just let you dry, I just hung you out to dry there. All right, let's let's do this. Uh, there, there's other factors involved here too. Uh, first, I want to hear from uh, from DeAndre Francois. So this this is courtesy of Seminoles.com. Obviously, uh, go there for for much more uh, about yesterday's game and the state of the program in general, including uh, Tim Linnefelt's uh, fine coverage. But but here now is what DeAndre said. DeAndre, there took a lot of hits today. Um, frustrating at a certain point when it just kind of keeps happening or how do you stay positive when it does? Um, just get up. Um, I had a season injury last last year so you know when I get hit now I'm just thankful to get back up and just focus on the next play. Talk about their defense. Did you see anything from Syracuse's defense today that surprised you or what are they doing out there? No they were doing the same thing that we, they did on film all week. They kept it simple and they played harder than us. What do you think the issues are with the offense? Um, just we keep taking turns making mistakes at every position. Uh, we got to come in sync and we got to be one unit and we got to move together. Right now, we're just making little mistakes. We just keep taking turns, either as receivers, quarterback, running back, tight end, O line. We just keep taking turns and that keep killing our drives. Seems like you got really frustrated at the end of the game after getting hit over and over again. What were you telling your offense? Just don't quit, just keep fighting. Um, you know, continue to fight. You know, we can't quit. We, we down, we're losing right now, but let's not quit. You know, let's continue to have, keep our pride high and continue to play this game that we love to play. What's the frustration level right now, guys? Um, you win some, you win some, you lose some. And it is what it is. Of course, we're, we're frustrated as an offense because we're not putting up the points that we want to put up, but frustration is not going to make us any better. Um, we could be frustrated for today, but when we wake up tomorrow, we got to forget about it and get back to the board. Were you seeing progress in practice this week? And Willie felt like, and Coach Bell felt like last week, you guys were pretty close. What did practice look like this week, and how surprising were you guys in that one? Yeah, I'm very surprised because uh, the coaches did a great job of preparing us. Um, they had the game plan ready. Um, we knew what they, what they were going to do on defense. Coach Bell did a great job preparing me. Um, I felt like the game was moving slow for me, and I felt like I knew where to go with the ball. Um, but like I said, it was just we kept taking turns, and that kept killing our drives. And when you kill drives, you only get so many in the game versus the offense like Syracuse. Alex said you were very positive with the O-line, regardless of that you take. How important is that to you? Um, I just continue to try to stay positive. Negativity only brings more negativity. Um, and I know they're getting a lot of negativity from, you know, everybody else on the outside. So I just stay positive with those guys and let them know that I love them and just don't quit on me because I'm not going to quit on y'all. DeAndre Francois, obviously uh, disappointed, uh, disheartened. Uh, nobody's going to question his toughness. We're certainly not going to do that. I, I said before we heard from DeAndre that there were other factors. Uh, one of them is that Florida State is shooting itself in the foot. And, and Jimbo used to say this, and we got tired of hearing it, you know, there's 11 guys out there, different guy every play, but I, I was charting it in the first half. And so the first drive, play two that I already talked about, the tackle gets completely beat, which leads to uh, that pass being knocked down. And now you got third long, they can't, they can't convert. Second series, DJ Matthews drops a pass, 20 yards downfield, wide open. Uh, you know, and with his speed, who knows how far that goes into. Uh, and then it just went from there. Then there was the, the series in the first half where DJ returns the punt takes a gamble, which you had called for him to do, to try and do something, completely flips the field, but Florida State's holding, and so they get backed up to their four-yard line. It was They had a first down throw to Trey McKitty, 
but somebody was lined up wrong, and so that wiped out a first down. So you're behind the chains, behind the chains, behind the chains, on top of the fact that when it's just first and ten, you're only getting two yards. And, and all of the above. Uh, it, it, it is almost comical if it weren't so serious because it really is someone different. And, and that even goes back to maybe another point that, that you and I have talked about privately. I'm not sure how much I've talked about it publicly. But one of the things Coach Taggart is trying to do is, is change the mentality and the philosophy. Practice was very tough under Jimbo. It was very structured. There was a lot of yelling, a lot of cussing, a lot of fussing. You know, it, it, it was not a pleasant time. So Coach Taggart's tried to make practice a little more enjoyable, particularly in fall camp when it gets very, very monotonous and is very difficult. Now, he does that a couple of different ways. First of all, he starts most practices off when they've got pads on with the quote-unquote Seminole drills, which we used to call the Oklahoma drills. An old drill. An old drill. So he's trying to set the tone real quick. And then secondly, you've heard all about the music and the kids are, you know, have a smile on their face and the coaches are more encouraging than they are disciplining from the standpoint of hollering and that type of thing. One of the things you've got to remember about kids, and I think this is universal football players included, whenever you give a kid, and, and when I say kid, I, you know, I'm 60 years old, so that could be somebody 25 years of age or younger. You give them a little leeway in one area and they have fun in that one area, they're going to take their mind off another area. And so you're going to lose some discipline when you allow this to be other than disciplined, if that makes any sense. And you've got to take a chance on that because you've got to take a chance that them enjoying themselves a little bit more will mean that they'll work individually to overcome those inadequacies. And that, that just hasn't happened yet. We're only three games into the Taggart era. It's, it's not taken hold yet. So you've got, you know, on a change of possession with the, with the entire offense around Willie going out on the field and still getting a delay of game call because somebody didn't pay attention when they were in the huddle. That can't be, but it's also a product of what you're trying to change when you're not there yet. If that, again, if that makes any sense to our listeners. And, and we've got to find a way to overcome that. We just have to. Well, Coach Taggart has, has overhauled three different programs now. I think the surprising thing here is uh, we didn't. I don't think he saw it as, as big an overhaul as what it appears that it's going to be. But if you talk to him, it's not about the physicality of practice. They are physical at practice, so don't think that they're not physical. And I'm not accusing you. No, I'm, and don't, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that. I'm just saying it's an attitude and a philosophy That's exa- That's exactly what he talks about is the mindset. And let's be frank, Florida State has not, uh, since 2014, I, may, you can leave, if you want to leave 2015 out, but the, the last two years in particular, but 2015 there was a loss in there to Georgia Tech. Who, that was their only conference win. Florida State has not, started games well period for a number of years uh it's almost as if they're waiting for something bad to happen instead of going to make something good happen and that, and that that's probably as simplistic and easy uh, a thing the why is what's so complicated about it yeah. that's what it is the why we could spend a lot of time talking about Okay, we'll talk about the defense. I, I do think there was some, a lot of positive things uh, defensively that we can discuss, and we'll do that when we continue on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. 
back on Front Row Knowles First Look. I'll remind you there have been a lot of changes in the banking landscape lately. One local bank just sold after 100 years. Others are closing or consolidating branches, which means that uh, you need to turn to Prime Meridian Bank, the one local bank you can count on, on the web at trymybank.com. KJ, let's talk defense. A couple things, and we'll hear from Dontavious Jackson uh, in a minute. I I give him credit on this because when I talk to him, uh, you know, in some ways – to me, it appeared that the defense played pretty well, was on the field so much they got tired, and so the score got out of hand in the end. He didn't take that route, and and you'll hear it. He said, that's on us. At the end of the game, there was 30 points. That's on us. So, I mean, on top of the fact they had a career high in tackles and there were some bright spots out there, I, I liked that mindset from them. Defense played very well, particularly in the first half. If you track the drive charts, uh, you know, they they did their job. They had the fourth uh, fourth down stand uh, when they were backed up, uh, I believe, in the third quarter. They had a, they had enough plays that 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 the defense didn't lose this game for Florida State. They played well enough to win. If you had told us, because you and I both in our our, our picks, I I did pick Florida State to lose, and everybody got mad at me about that. But guess what? But we all thought it would. You had to get that in there, didn't you? Yeah. Well, but we all thought it would be a high-scoring game. You know, I thought it'd be 42-40 Syracuse. You were up in the high 30s, um, and I'm sitting there through the first half, going, you know, it, what was it, six nothing at halftime? And I'm going, they got two field goals, and, and that's all they've got, and we're one big play away, and we're still in this ball game, and we're we're playing horribly on offense. How can this be? Well, how can it be? The defense is performing, and uh, I thought uh, Logan had a great night punting. Uh, you mentioned the punt return. Unfortunately, it got called back. In other words, special teams were, were doing their part to contribute. Uh, but I was impressed with the defense. Uh, I thought uh, Harlan Barnett had the club, uh, that side of the ball, ready to play. I know uh, in, in the end, Syracuse ended up running a bunch of plays. They were in the 90s, which is what Dino likes to do. Coach Dino, their head coach, likes to do. And they got basically wore out you know, at the end of the ball game. But they still played enough to win. And I can use that as a takeaway. The team lost, no moral victories, but the defense and special teams played well enough to win. Yeah, the defense has been good uh, against the run, too. And, uh, well, Syracuse lost its quarterback. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, let's let's listen to this uh, interview with Dontavious Jackson. Dontavious, uh, let, let's, the, the, the score is misleading from a defensive standpoint because I thought you guys really played well at uh, a lot of moments in that game. Let's go back to the first half. I mean, it was only a 6 nothing ball game, and you guys did a nice job. What, what were you focused on uh, when Eric Dungey was in there in terms of trying to stop, and what were your keys? Basically, when, Dun- when Dungey's in the game, they like to do a lot of QB, QB run game things like uh, and, and double passes especially when number five's off the line. So we were just, you know what I'm saying, just paying attention to our keys, making sure we stay focused when he, and locked in when he's in the game because he can pull and run at any time. And they even have design runs, so and they run a lot of trick plays. So we just we just really locked in on our keys. You had a big goal line stand in there that kept things close for a while. I know the offense didn't get on track, but uh, from a defensive standpoint, that had to be a, a pretty exciting moment for this club. Uh, yeah, we're just trying to build from it. You know what I'm saying? We're just trying to just trying to build, take everything, take everything as a lesson, build from it, move on, move in the right direction. Did their offense change their their play selection uh, significantly when they changed quarterbacks? Uh, they were being they were they were being more conservative, I would say. But I mean, it's nothing that we haven't hadn't saw. I mean, they they ran they, with their plays. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we expected what they were running. It was we just got to play better. 
the time of possession got tilted heavily in Syracuse's favor, which means you guys were on the field a while. I mean, it looked to me like that took its toll in the third and fourth quarter. I mean, is that, is that fair? Did you feel that? Uh, I don't want to give any excuses for that. I mean, they had 30 points on the scoreboard, and that's on us. So uh, there's nothing else I can say about that. we got to be better. And you're three games in right now. Just assess the overall play of the defense. I mean, it's first year of a new coordinator. Uh, I, th I think there's been a lot of pretty good moments. Obviously, you always want to get better. But uh, where, where, just assess where you are right now. Um, right now, we're at a point where we got to find ourselves, you know what I'm saying, find ourselves as a team, come together. And this is the time where teams se seem to break apart, and we got to stay together because we need each other. All right. Thank you very much, Nontavia. No problem. So reiterating, and, uh, and that's you heard him say what I, what I said he was going to say there. <laughs> He's... Uh, not using that as an out that they were tired, but the reality is, it, you can't expect a defense with the with the time of possession what it was, Keith. To you could see the second half coming that way if the offense didn't get some points on the board. It wound up being 36 minutes for Syracuse and 23 for Florida State, and, and that was even skewed because Florida State, um, from a proportional standpoint, probably in the second half, it was probably about even. Uh, I mean, Syracuse just had the ball the entire first half, even though they only had the six points to show for it at halftime. And again, you know, we're talking defense, but, you know, Florida State mis mismanaged that last 11 seconds. Should have gotten at least three points out of being down there at the end of the second half. Yeah, the, uh, the scoreboard operator needs to be flogged because uh, he still had Florida State with one timeout remaining, and I don't know if the staff knew that they really didn't have a timeout. As it turned out, they didn't have a timeout, and they didn't get out of bounds, and they didn't spike the ball. But the defense through that first 30 minutes had played well enough that you're sitting at halftime going, we're one play away, one play away against a team that had been averaging over 50 points a ball game. Yeah, I mean, and, and so from that point, I think there is, there is good things to, to – to, there's some things to feel good about. Marvin Wilson – is going to be a player in there. I mean, he's he's noticeable when he's when he's in there. Some of the young defensive backs, AJ Litton uh, made a couple nice nice plays in there. Um in the second half they were just fatigued overall. Now, Eric Dungey went down. Eric Dungey did not look right to me at the start. I remember him being more dynamic than what I saw before he left the game yesterday. I don't know if he's was nursing something else, but then uh he didn't return. Backup quarterback uh, played well. I think the reason that Syracuse went slower as the game went on wasn't so much because they were sitting on a lead. It, it had to do with the fact that they had to slow things down a little bit with the backup quarterback in there. Uh, DeVito, I believe, was his name. He's a redshirt freshman uh, out of uh, Don Bosco, which is a very famous uh, high school in New Jersey. Uh, great pedigree uh, for the youngster. But yeah, uh, Dungey went out uh, just a couple of three plays remaining on their dry last drive of the first half. Uh, and DeVito came in and he threw that one pass to their big, big, tall, uh, lanky receiver, uh, which had I been Syracuse, I probably would have gone to that a little bit more. They had success with it. Uh, but he played, DeVito did, played well enough uh, to keep that offense going, keeping Florida State, uh, you know, controlling the ball. And I, I'm a little bit like you. I, I think they would have gone even faster in the second half. Uh, and I think it was a combination of what he, DeVito, was able to do and I think in the back of the mind, the Syracuse st staff wanting to milk that clock, you know, every opportunity they got, not just the last couple of series when they had the ball. You know, Kyle Myers had a couple of interceptions last week, and uh, the, the play that forced a fumble that was overturned, that was his hit, and he was the guy that was covering Jamal Custis, uh, not, not, which it, not regardless, but a lot of the time, Custis, the 6'5 receiver, ended up on Myers, and they weren't testing they weren't throwing that way. As soon as the first team corners went out of the game, the first pass went right at 
the the reserve corner who was in the game, and I forget if it was it wasn't Litton, it was Asante Samuel, and that's the one that he dropped that would have been a seventy five yard touchdown. And that's that's just good coaching on Syracuse staff part to know that uh, a you've got a, a weapon like that, and b to pay attention to win Florida State subs to take advantage of uh, some newness and some inexperience, and they did a good job of doing that. Hats off to them. Yeah, they did. But but all that said, uh, I mean, we're reiterating, I thought the defense played pretty well. Did have a couple of careless penalties. Uh, that didn't just stay on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you mentioned special teams, Keith. I don't know on the kick returns. You know, you can call a fair catch. You can uh, just take it in the end zone. You get it at the 25. This Florida State offense has been backed up so much that when you run a kick out and only get to the 15, it's just one more thing. And I know you need to work on your special teams and do all that, and you're hoping you spring a big play. But given that the average starting field position for Florida State has to be inside the 20, its own 20 this year, it feels like, maybe you just take the 25. That's one philosophy, Tommy. But when you get into the second half and your offense is not putting drives together and you've got some kids back there that at least have some speed to take it to the house, much like we've talked about with punt returns, sometimes you just tell them, screw it, wherever it is, run it out. we got to take a chance. I think there's a little bit of that also comes into play. Uh, and I think Florida State uh, falls into that trap occasionally there as well. Okay, we've got one segment to do, and we will do it right after this. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles First Look. Before we uh, look ahead and continue this conversation, Keith, we do need to look back and uh, salute uh, one of the highlights from yesterday. Time now for our Prime Meridian Bank performance of the game, and it came in the second quarter. Francois throws the interception. Syracuse runs it back. The ball is placed, I think, at the 32-yard line. Nine plays Syracuse plays on Florida State side of the field. Florida State, with a dramatic stop on third down, forces that second field goal, ultimately meaning Florida State goes into halftime down, just one score, six to nothing. Hats off to the defense. That was an unbelievable performance right there at the end of the second quarter. Prime Meridian Bank, they're my bank. And this year they're celebrating 10 years serving Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and the surrounding area. Outstanding client service, convenient tools like mobile and remote deposit, and one of the top-rated mortgage teams in Leon County. Not sure about your bank? We'll try Tallahassee's hometown bank, Prime Meridian Bank, on the web at trymybank.com. That really was a big stand because the offense struggling so much, 10 nothing. I can't believe I'm going to say this, almost feels insurmountable. 6 nothing feels like if you break one play, you've got the lead. And plus, right after that, Florida State got a, a reasonable return and then drove the ball down, and then that was how the half ended, the first half, with Florida State with 11 seconds. They threw the pass that was caught in bounds, did not get out of bounds, didn't spike the ball, didn't have a timeout to call, or it could have, could have been even closer. Yeah, and I did not uh, discuss that. I wasn't in the post game, but... Florida State had called three timeouts, so it wasn't as if they got shorted one. And I think Taggart knew that. I, I don't know. I haven't, uh, you know, as we sit here, I don't know 100% if that was – I think the issue was they just didn't get out of bounds. So with 11 seconds left, third down, if that was the down, you got to get it – you got to make sure you're out of bounds or you got to get it to the end zone. Well, we were up in the booth, and unfortunately I'm in, in Gene's ear telling him that we have a timeout left. Gene knew that we didn't. I was completely mistaken, but the reason I was mistaken is because it physically was on the scoreboard. It was a mistake. Now, again, you can't – blame that. You've got to keep track of your own timeouts. You've got to know what's going on. Uh, I'm not sure if, of, of 
how that play came about or whether that was a second or third read that DeAndre had to go to where the ball was actually caught inbounds and tackled. Um, nevertheless, it was an opportunity when Florida State didn't get points that would have been, I think, very, very – you look at 30-7 to seven and you say, well, three points right there might not – that's not big. Well, it was big in the flow of the game, particularly since uh, Syracuse was getting the ball on the opening kickoff of the third quarter. Yeah, no, it could have changed, uh, you know, at the onside kick, when you onside kick with six and a half minutes to go in the game, if it's 23 to 10 there uh, instead of 23-7, maybe you don't onside. I mean, I don't know because you had all three timeouts, but it could have changed later sequences in the game, no question. Um, One thing we haven't talked about, this is not an excuse. I just want to point it out. It was a factor, though. It was the reason that players were cramping. Part of that was Syracuse going fast. I've I've stood on the sideline at Louisville when uh, the remnants of a hurricane dumped on me for four quarters. I've been cold in Boston and Chestnut Hill. I've stood in the Orange Bowl when they ran out of water and it was 110 degrees. I don't ever remember being more miserable on the sideline than I was yesterday in the Carrier Dome, and it requires explanation. So the Carrier Dome, as we've talked about and joked about, I won't joke anymore about this, has no air conditioning. So the temperature inside mirrors the temperature outside. Florida State, the last two trips to Syracuse has played in late October and November. It's been 50 or 60 degrees outside, so it's been cool enough inside the Carrier Dome. You actually wear a jacket. Well, yesterday it's 90 degrees outside, and so it's hot. When we started the radio show at 9 in the morning, it was 77 degrees in there, and by the fourth quarter, I think it was 88. I'll let you weigh in a minute because the booth was every bit as hot. So to further explain it, because it's a pressurized roof there, you can't just open windows and doors. So there's no airflow. Bottom line, it was miserable hot. I mean, it it felt like the analogy, the best analogy I can have is go stand in your garage tomorrow from 9 a.m. until 4 p.m., but the garage door is down. That is the analogy. Now, did Syracuse have to play in it too? Absolutely. Can you make excuses for whether it rained or didn't rain or whether it was hot or whether it was cold? No. Those are not excuses. But those are statements of fact. You saw uh, Brian Burns cramp To, to be fair, I, I really was just needed to vent personally. <laughs> I don't think anybody for the team said anything about it. Well, all, all I know is you and I talked about it. We went on the air at 9 o'clock yesterday morning, and, and I had sweated through my T-shirt by 8.30. And by about 9.15, when we took our first break of our pre-pregame show, I had sweated through my outer shirt. And I just sweated the rest of the day because we didn't leave the dome till 5 or 6 o'clock in the afternoon when we got on the buses to head back home. It, it was miserable. Now, again, save your emails. Don't text me. I don't want to hear it. It's an excuse from that standpoint, but it's also a fact. Burns cramped in the thigh. We saw several of the kids cramping in their, in their calves. Uh, it, it was... It was certainly something that was unusual and candidly may have caught Florida State by, uh, by off guard a little bit because we were talking with Darren, the, the equipment manager, when we did the walkthrough on, on Friday, and he had actually parked, uh, packed the coats just in case there was a sudden change in temperature or whatever. So we're in there just dying from the heat, and literally Florida State had their coats in a cr- case in, in, the, in the locker room because that's how, in, how difficult and how, how it had been the last two trips up there, which you appropriately mentioned, were in, in later in the fall. Okay, so next up, a 3.30 game, uh, Florida State this week. And, uh, you know, talking about the opponent is not the issue. Because I know we can all sit here and say, if Florida State plays like that, 
it doesn't matter who they play. It doesn't matter where they play. It doesn't matter when they play. And that's just the reality of it. And it's, it's cliche, but Florida State's got to worry about Florida State and fix its mistakes uh, to, to have a fighting chance. You've got to at least stop shooting yourself in the foot. You've got to get a hat on the right guy. You can't have senseless penalties. You can't take a delay a game out of a, after a kickoff. None of those things are, are helping the cause right now. So you've got to fix that. Uh, obviously, they're going to game plan for the opponent. I'm not suggesting they're not doing that, but that's where the big problems lie. You know, I, 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 it's been so long since I've been personally and physically in an offensive or defensive meeting room when you're talking about game plan that I don't, I don't know the vernacular, uh, the way that, that they talk. But here's how I would describe what I would tell my staff, particularly my offensive staff, if I'm the head coach at Florida State. We normally game plan guys, and we'll normally have 80 calls. You know, we'll have all of our different scenarios. All right, we're going to go with about 60 calls or 50 calls this week. I don't care if we have to run the same play 15 times in the ballgame. Okay? I don't need three options on third and three. Give me a couple. I don't need eight options on first and ten. Give me six. But we're going to make sure we know how to run those. We're going to make sure we pay attention to our personnel groups. We're not going to ask the little receivers to block for the big receivers on the bubble screens. We're going to line up with two in the backfield. We're going to run some lead option or lead isolation, but we'll run it out of the shotgun so we don't have to get under center. Uh, and we're going to challenge our kids that we're going to do this in a little more simplistic fashion so therefore, particularly on our heavy days, Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to make sure we get you ready. And come Saturday, we're, we're going to play a, a, a cleaner game with a lesser number of decisions. And then we're going to build upon that. That's the approach that I would take. Well, and that's, you know, that's probably likely what's going to happen because you're going to have to dial it back somewhere. And, 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 but, the, but the other thing, so there's that, and then we talked about the, there's the mentality. And I don't know where, where, how you get the mentality fixed. Uh, you know, in some respects, playing time can 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 determine that. But it it just seems to be. Well, I don't know. I'll let you jump in. My my thought on that is that practices are not going to be as much fun as they used to be. We're we're going to go old school for a little while. And, and it's kind of like uh, we, we've all raised our children or have children. You know, it's kind of like, okay, you, you were supposed to do your homework when you got home, and you putzed around, and you, you left your shoes over here, and it's now 4.30, and, 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 and now we got to start fixing dinner. And, and, and you didn't do it the way I, we should have because I didn't pay attention. Well, now I'm going to pay attention, and you're going to pay attention. When you get home, you're going to put your shoes where they belong. And at 3.15, you're going to do your homework. You're going to do that before you play any games or watch any television. And don't try to turn anything on until the homework gets done. And I know you don't like it, but I'm going to make you eat green beans tonight as well because they're good for you. I would go back that way. Not punishment, not punishment, but just going back to a more rigid way of working through the week and, and hoping that some of that rubs off on paying attention to detail. You've been quite domesticated this show. You're baking cakes, now you're raising children. I mean, KJ, you're, you're a whole new guy. Well, it, it, it sounds crazy, Tommy, but, you know, it, it, this is a whole new coaching staff. This is a whole new uh, uh, scheme, both offensively and defensively. And, and 75, 80% of these kids were from the old regime. They, they knew it that way. 
So now they're having to learn it this way. So first of all, you got to unlearn that before you learn this. We're only 10 months into the Taggart era. Uh, you got to play games, and, and, and the schedule is going to get worse. It's not going to get better. And it's just time to buckle it up, strap it up, and get with it. it, it you've dug this hole. Uh, the best way to get out of a hole, A, is to quit digging the hole. And then you can work on getting out of the hole. And I think you just got to refocus, double down, and, and, and add some things, as I've talked about on the offense, that aren't in the traditional Gulf Coast. Again, two backs in the backfield, out of the shotgun, some boots, some waggles, some rollouts, just some simplistic things to get the pressure off of Francois and then let some positive momentum begin to build uh, because it's not going to be too long before you're facing some powerhouse teams. You play like you did yesterday against Clemson, and that's a national embarrassment or an embarrassment on national TV. You can't do that. Are you through? I'm through. So are we. We'll do it again on Wednesday night at 6. Thanks for tuning in. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you then.